Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines. Coming at you on Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Came back from my work trip in Orlando. Had a great time. But I am now podcasting Compromise Ty. We are coming via the power of the internet, via Discord, because I might have finally contracted coronavirus. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Um, I guess like meeting 65, 70 new people and being like in close quarters and like hugging and stuff, um, probably a recipe for getting COVID. Especially just from all over the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, that is why this Tyler doesn't sound as good as he normally does. We will hopefully be back next week. Um, hopefully I test negative. I don't know. Today we were reviewing the movie that is sweeping the nation. The movie that set records for Memorial Day weekend. The movie that we are slightly behind on. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 99% audience score, Top Gun Maverick tie. Now, full disclosure, full transparency, I never saw the original Top Gun, and I did not see the original Top Gun heading into this film. I did not make the effort to watch it before this film. I figured, hey, this is like 40 years after the original or however many years. Like, it's okay. They'll probably have callbacks, but it's probably its own movie. And honestly, I don't feel like I, I, don't feel like I needed to see the original. I feel like I got the gist in watching this one. Yeah, they gave you enough. They gave you what you needed. Yeah, yeah. So, talking about that. And before we get into that, though, a new MCU show. I feel like they're they're churning out left and right. We just finished Moon Knight. Now we got another one. Miss Marvel, um, a series that didn't have as much hype heading into it. Um, still got some good reviews and whatnot. It dropped on Wednesday. We got to talk about that. I don't know how many talking points there are, Ty. You're usually the talking point guy, so we'll jump into that before getting into Top Gun Maverick. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a packed episode. Let's get into it. Of the time, it works every time. John Stamos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. I'm so sorry. Smash! I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. Okay, Ty, full transparency once again because this podcast is a safe space. I watched Miss Marvel last night. Watched it pretty late. It was like 11 o'clock, 1045-ish. 
and I fell asleep. I dozed off. I didn't like fall fully asleep. I kind of fell asleep for like five minutes or so. Nothing to do with the show itself, but um, I can report it's the first MCU thing I've fallen asleep while watching. So maybe that's not a good first sign. I don't know. <laughs> that's terrible. You're terrible. And I, I think that shows a lack of commitment. I fell asleep. Um, I, I went and rewatched it back or whatever, but um, today I did. But I fell asleep during the uh, when they go to like the biggest part of the episode where they go to um, Avengers Con or whatever it's called, and like you know we pretty much see her powers for the first time. That is when I fell asleep. Uh, so kind of like the most important slash climax of the episode. I was not awake for Ty the first time viewing it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's not good, Jay. Um, let's try, maybe we'll just try and power through, stay awake the second one. <laughs> um, no, yeah, the first one, um, it was, it was a little slow, but I feel like this show's different than like the other shows. It seems a lot more lighthearted. Like it's just kind of is what it is. Um, love the visuals. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, kind of Mitchell's versus the machines esque. I've seen some comparisons to yep. like Scott Pilgrim. Um, the only reason I compare it to Mitchell's versus the machines is because in that film, it is a, a young girl who's going off to college, who is a filmmaker. And the movie is told in her like filmmaking style, kind of same with this. I mean, we get her YouTube video at the beginning and then we kind of get those elements of her filmmaking style on YouTube in the show itself. So uh, it's definitely creative and, um, you know, it's what they got to do with shows like this. You know what I mean? Not, not to say Miss Marvel's like bad or anything, but like, if they're going to, you know, expand their creative will and everything, they're going to have to add some of these more creative dynamics. They're not just going to be able to give us, you know, a Falcon in the Winter. Well, even Falcon in the Winter Soldier had all its, like, social things and stuff it tackled. But they, they just can't make movies turn into TV shows, you know. And each of these shows has been distinctly different for its own reasons. The only one that was kind of like an MCU movie and a show was Hawkeye. So I like it. I like that they're they're yeah. doing this. So it's – I don't know. It makes me a little worried for She-Hulk because I don't know what the style is going to be for that one and the CGI looks horrible. Yeah, I, I'm very worried for that. Um, I, I will say just the style with this, 100% Mitchells versus Machines. Get that vibe a lot. Um, there, was a, there was a redemption arc for Marvel attached to this, Jay. Um, Why is that? Because I think one of my favorite things about this episode was the, uh, was the texting scene where the camera panned up through the building and we got like the different emojis and responses and like neon lights and different things. Um, they've grown a lot since the Hawkeye texting scenes. <laughs> Yeah, and it hasn't been very long. I mean, these shows were probably in production very closely after each other. Um, but yes, the Hawkeye texting scenes looked atrocious, and I can't even <laughs> like I know what scene you're talking about, but I can't even picture it in my mind, which is probably a good thing that it wasn't like it was just a normal texting scene. It wasn't egregious. Where it, like the Hawkeye one is still sticking in my mind of him touching the keys or her tapping the oh. keys. I don't remember who was texting, and it just not lining up with what they were actually texting. <laughs> You you don't remember the Miss Marvel one? I don't remember the phone screen, no. I'll be honest. Oh, there was no phone screen. That was the thing, is they were texting, and it, like, pans up, and, like, her response is a neon light in the window, and then oh, his yeah, response yeah, 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 yeah. is a sign for the building. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. realized they realized where they lacked. They got creative, and they improved on it. So, shout out to Marvel. Yeah, and I, I liked uh, I liked when she's talking to the principal. I don't know if it was the principal, counselor, whatever it was. Um, and they kind of did that, mm -hmm. like, like uh split frame i don't know how what to call it but it was like both of them in the frame and you saw like their faces converge and just stuff like that like they're getting creative with the cinematography and everything and i mean the show's getting good reviews we talked about before it came out like we were a little bit worried just about you know it seeming a little for kids and whatnot but i mean if you think about it mcu kind of is for kids as a whole but um 
I didn't watch this and necessarily think like, oh, this isn't for me. Yeah, it's not as like dark as Moon Knight, but it doesn't have to be dark to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's there's a lot more like humor and stuff. Like there's the one scene where she was like doing her fake game plan and she's sitting at the table and like she's pretending her family's all complimenting her and stuff. Like I, I laughed at that. Yeah. Like it was funny the way they shot those kind of things and whatnot and like the humor in it. it it works. It's not Moon Moon Knight, like you said. It isn't crazy action yet. Um, I don't know if it will be, but just overall, it seems fun enough. Yeah, and I mean, I talked to someone who saw the first two episodes on like a media screening um, before it released, and that was just the thing I heard. It was it was very you know it was it leaned into the comedy and it leaned into kind of like the lightheartedness. Um, of course, that's just the first two episodes, and things can go for a turn very quickly in the MCU, as we've seen before. I don't think it's going to turn crazy considering the shows what we say it was like TV, whatever, what, like it's the first one to not be rated, you know, TV 14 or PG 13, whatever it is on MCU shows. So I think we're going to see more of that lighthearted humor. And as long as they do it right and it doesn't feel forced and doesn't feel childish, the show is going to be good. I mean, it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I'm assuming that's with the two episodes given to the media, 85% audience. I've seen some Twitter reactions from people I follow personally who like, I know they weren't looking forward to the show before it was out and was like, oh, it's for kids, it's for kids. And then they tweeted afterwards like, oh, it's it's childish. And like I saw one tweet that was even like, I don't care about a 16-year-old's origin story unless that that person – that 16-year-old is Peter Parker. And I was just like, okay, you just want to hate it. Like, I mean, you're not even commenting <laughs> on the contents of the show. You're just kind of commenting on whatever. So I don't think it has anything to do with her being a woman or, you know, a, a person of color or anything. I just think it's – Sometimes people go into stuff wanting not to like it, and they don't like it. I don't know, for whatever reason. Yeah, um, it's stupid. I think overall the first episode was a success in my eyes. It's It was better than what I was expecting. I, I enjoyed it enough. I'm interested to see what the kind of overall arc is, who the protagonist is, if it's those people hunting her for her powers or Antagonist. trying to like bring her in. What did I say, protagonist? Yes, you did. Yeah, not that one, the other one. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this was – it exceeded my expectations, which is always good. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, we had a post-credit scene, which crazy. We f- haven't really got any post-credit scenes in these series. It feels like forever. And then we get one in episode one. Um, it was the – what is his name? Agent P. Cleary, who is from Spider-Man No Way Home. He is the, the government official who was pressuring – not pressuring, but like um, – why can't I think of the word? He was talking to Peter Parker and MJ and Ned and all them. What the fuck is the word when you're trying to get information out of someone? What is that word? Interrogation. Type? Interrogating. Yeah, he was interrogating them. And I rewatched Spider-Man No Way Home on the flight, and I forgot that they had all these legal troubles, and then Daredevil shows up, and then it was just like, oh, the legal troubles are resolved. Like, they kind of just instantly brushed it under the rug. Um, <laughs> but that character was in No Way Home. He's in damage control, which is something from the Marvel comics. And – there's going to be something along the lines of, you know, them trying to get her powers or, you know, limit her powers, whatever it is. I wouldn't be surprised if they're just kind of like the baby bad, you know, the baby antagonist. But I don't know. I, I just don't see that being like the main antagonist. But I don't know. That that was the post credit scene. So setting up the rest of the series. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if we don't get a slight little bit of She-Hulk maybe before she gets her powers or something, being that she's like a superhuman law firm type thing or whatever that they teased in the trailer. And this seems like an agency that's looking for people with superhuman abilities. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, they haven't really done that yet. So, like, you know, lead one show directly into the other or just, you know, have a character from the next show in this one. So 
that'd be the first time they did it. I'm not saying they're not going to do it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we also see the Department of Damage Control in um, She-Hulk as well. So that definitely can carry on. But I mean, I don't know. We always play the, the what's next game with Marvel. And this is episode one of a series. And we're already trying to think about what's next. But like the Thunderbolts movie just got a director um, today. I saw that. Yep. Um, and that's obviously the I, Th- Thunderbolt Ross is dead. Like the actor, you know, RIP. So I don't know how they're going to do that in the movie franchise. I know I know they have, you know, the one Louie Dreyfus, whatever the fuck her name is, her character. I always forget her character name. And um, Carter, Agent Carter and whatnot, you know, to set that up. But this could also play into that as well. Who knows? You know, and, you know, She-Hulk could play into it. It's just, well, I feel like She-Hulk is definitely with Abomination. But that's another thing we got to keep our eyes on because it feels like they're going to set up this Thunderbolts movie using the shows. But then again, I thought Wanda would be in it and they just killed her in one movie. Spoiler alert. Um, so I'm kind of pissed about that still. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously Captain America or Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, began to set that up. I have a feeling She-Hulk will continue that. So it'll just be interesting to see what that team consists of. And if any, you know, this show or, you know, She-Hulk or the following shows lay the groundwork for that. Um, we got to get Wong, a Wong appearance in that movie, right? He's up to no good. And She-Hulk? No, in, in Thunder Thunderbolt. Oh, for sure. He'll for sure be in it. I, I feel like Wong actually – maybe he's not up to no good because in the Shang-Chi movie, he's um, – when he teleports back, he teleports into the holding cell that Abomination is in in the She-Hulk trailer. So I'm thinking maybe it's the government like hiring Wong, to, but then again it could be a bad government official hiring Wong to train this guy. So who knows? I, I don't know. Um but with Wong being a Sorcerer Supreme and them setting up, like, the rift and everything or the, the incursion with Doctor Strange, I don't know if they turn him bad. But, yeah, he's definitely tied into this somehow. And then you also have characters that are floating out there, like Taskmaster, which, like, you wonder why they decided to release Black Widow after the fact of, you know, the Infinity Saga and everything. Maybe that's one of the reasons why. Maybe they're actually going to do Taskmaster some fucking justice and not be a shitty character. Um, you know, there's just so many of these characters that they can establish. We obviously have the bad Falcon uh Captain America, I don't remember his name, U.S. Soldier, U.S. Agent, U.S. Agent. Um, you know, we don't know what we're doing with Florence Pugh's character and everything. So, who knows? We always play the What's Next game, and that's what I'm looking at. And I'm mostly just looking at that because the Thunderbolts director got announced, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that's always fun. This show, you got anything else on it? I, I'm not, like, excited for it, but I think I'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, I don't – I'm not, like, in, like, super anticipating the next episode – um, but then again, like stylistically, it's very different from everything else. And it's, you could see the creative, um, freedom shining through and I was paying attention to the credits themselves. And I noticed there's also a lot of, um, you know, excuse my ignorance. I'm not like, I'm genuinely trying to get the right term here, like Arabic producers and stuff. I don't know what the right word is there. Middle Eastern, um, you know, cause obviously the cast and crew or the cast, you know, is fairly, um, you know, like Muslim and everything. So I, I noticed there was also some producers and I don't know if the director was or not. I don't want to speak out of ignorance with that, but there was a lot of, you know, people, Arabic people like producing the show and working on the show as well, which is just great. You know, give, give people a chance to creatively shine. And, you know, this could be a, a good platform for a lot of these people to show what they got and, you know, extend their careers. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I sound like an idiot. <laughs> no, I, I get the gist of what you're trying to say. It's, you're telling these stories have this culture and these people tell their stories. Yeah. Um, and you're giving them this, obviously Disney and Marvel's a huge platform for that. 
it's always good to see that. I mean, you saw how well Black Panther did when they, you know, had an all-Black African cast where they, you know, and everyone could come together and show that story and that culture and everything. Um, it's good when you get stuff like that happening, for sure. Yeah, so happy about that. It's definitely got its own, you know, creative vision that's different from everything else. So I'm, I'm more so excited to watch to see what they do with that than the actual story, as weird as that sounds. Like, how are they going to push this, you know, cinematography-wise and everything? So, And that'll be interesting to talk about at the end of the year when we uh, do the scale for all the MCU shows again. So uh, definitely talk about it a lot throughout the year. Ty, Top Gun Maverick, do you have a synopsis for us? Yeah, I do. I, I love how we're going from, like, oh, it's so great. We're showing, like, you know, people of color and from different parts of the world and, like, getting their culture. And then we're just jumping into the most American movie you can possibly make. I have a comment on that. I'll wait till you read the synopsis. <laughs> After more than 30 years of service, as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as courageous test pilots and dodging as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him. Training a detachment of graduates for a special assignment, Maverick must confront the ghosts of his past and his deepest fears culminating in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those who choose to fly it. 36 years in between films. 1986, the first one was released. Should have been like 34. Oh my god, this is hilarious. I'm on the Top Gun um, Rotten Tomatoes and I have an advertisement for a clothing company and the shirt says, Hey Snowflake, and then there's like a bunch of text in front of American Flag that I can't read and on the bottom it says, You are not special. Um, And there's another one about sheep and another one that I can't tell. Um, and it's all being modeled by a, yeah. a buffer man in probably his 40s or 50s with a uh, interesting haircut and a long beard. So um, definitely doing some targeted advertising. Um, the first <laughs> Top Gun, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes tie, 83 audience. So like like I said at the top, I mean, this one's what, 97, 99. Like it's just smashing it out of the water. Yeah. And we had a conversation. You know, this is interesting to compare. It's different genres. But we when we watched Firestarter and we were kind of like – why are they remaking these like really bad, um, you know, horror movies from the eighties and seventies, not necessarily really bad, but like these horror movies that were so critically acclaimed because they were so ahead of their time when the story itself maybe wasn't the best. Um, this isn't a remake, obviously it's a sequel, so it's not the same thing, but like we've seen time and time again, they remake stuff 30 years after the fact and it's just not good. You know, I mean, look at the ghostbusters movies. I know people enjoyed the newest ghostbusters, I still didn't think it was that special. And, you know, that's that's another remake, reboot, sequel, whatever you want to call it. So to see this do so critically well and audience well, like, I'm a little bit surprised. I really am. Mm. Now, are you surprised before you've watched it or are you still surprised with the success after watching it? So I guess my take on this movie, but I don't want to give away my score, is like there was another movie in the past where – and it's – I'm not going to remember the movie – so, I, I mean, I could go through our movie scale all I want, and I don't think I'd ever be able to pinpoint the movie itself. It's a movie where I feel like it's not as good as a 99, but it's kind of hard, or 97, but it's hard to give it a rotten, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's a, like, it doesn't, you know, whatever, you got your political people like Armin White who are going to give it a negative just for bullshit political reasons, you know, that don't even make sense, but like, there was another movie re- re-reviewed back in the day. I Again, I don't remember which one. I'm looking through our scale and nothing like jumps out to me. But it's just one of those movies yeah. where it's like not a lot of people are going to give it rotten, but the Rotten Tomato score can be a little bit misleading because 
I'm I'm not spoiler alert. I didn't give this movie a 90 plus. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's like okay, everyone gives it a solid. You know, by our scale, above a 64 and a half to get a fresh or what or 65 and above to get a fresh. Like if everyone is theoretically giving it from a 65 to an 85, however, depending how much they like it, like then it's going to get a 97. That's kind of how I feel about this. I don't know how you feel. <laughs> Jay, I've seen the original up until the point that they tease, um, you know, the flashback. Spoilers, until until Rooster's dad dies. Um, yep. It's Maverick, Goose, Goose, until Goose. Goose dies. This is the sequel, so I didn't go into this having, like, high expectations, wanted to, you know, do whatever. I fucking loved this movie. <laughs> I fucking loved this movie so much. Wow. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I don't know what it was, but I was talking about this movie for, like, days afterwards. I you go and it's a packed theater and this felt like the most enjoyable big blockbuster that wasn't comic book related that's been released in years like the vibe and everyone going and seeing it and everyone having fun and like laughing and getting excited in the big moments in the theater and just everything that happened like it felt like the most blockbustery movie that was like fun and enjoyable in, in years besides mcu right? i fucking loved besides mcu yeah Yeah. like non-comic book just a fucking action movie i fucking loved this movie so much so you're eating the the patriotic slop is what i'm what you're telling me (laughs) a million percent yes um i i think it's an interesting like thought experiment is like you know again spoiler like i gave it a good score you said we were gonna vary like very heavily like there's not much room even if you give it like a very, very respectable score, like one of your best ever. Like there's not a lot of room for us to disagree. Um, it was a good movie. And I, again, I don't want to give away the scale too much, but like, it's an interesting thought experiment. Like what if this movie came out pre COVID, you know, and pre everything in our country and everything. And like, it's the same exact movie. And would you liked it the same? Probably, you know, I know how you like films and you don't look at it through those lenses like other people do, but Maybe society as a whole doesn't view it as positively. And again, I don't think it would be a bad movie. Everyone would still like it, but maybe it's a an 88%. But it's like, you know, COVID, everyone's been locked up, and this is like the first non-MCU blockbuster. And like, even though the MCUs make MCU movies make billions upon billions of dollars, like you do kind of have to be in the know. So like kind of like the average day person, like my dad, like they don't really see the MCU movies in theaters, whereas like he would absolutely go see Top Gun. So I think there's definitely something to be said about when this movie came out that that kind of helps it. That being said, you know, the patriotic slop, like I mentioned, I didn't feel like it was very – it's definitely there. Don't get me wrong. The whole America is the best, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's definitely there. It wasn't as much as I thought. I, I wondered. I actually thought about this. Yeah. They kept saying the enemy because I always think about behind the scenes stuff. I was wondering if they had to quickly scramble and change all the enemies. Like if it was Russia and they had to change it to the enemy, but I was looking at their mouse and I didn't notice anything off. So I, I think they always just said the enemy, but that would have been a can of worms if they were saying like Russia and stuff. Cause they a hundred percent would have had to change that. Yeah. They did the same thing in the first one, if I'm not mistaken, where it was nameless enemy. Okay. So it's not us against a certain different people. And like, even in this, like, they have jets and the enemy's face. They have like face masks on like zero, zero different ethnicity. Like it's just us and the bad guy yeah. and we're going to fuck the bad guy. Up. And I, <laughs> I fucking love that. And it, it's a classic American mission where it's like, 
we're going into this other country to go bomb this facility that they're creating. But if someone ever did that to us, it would be the biggest issue in the world. Like, I just love it. I love <laughs> I love it. That's ironically. the thing, though, Jay, is we, we don't do bad things. Bad guys do bad things. So we got to stop those unnamed bad guys. <laughs> I also, my dad brought this up um, talking about it. I love how it's like, oh, you got to be careful. The enemy has like the highest, like the better fighter jets and shit. And it's like, we're America. Why do we not have the best stuff? Because because uh, they did address this. Because when they briefed for the mission, when they first showed Tom Cruise uh, Maverick the mission, remember they were like going through the different planes that they would have to fly, and he was like, oh, we'd have to fly this one because it's the only one that can do X, Y, or Z. I think that's why. Oh, honestly, I don't remember. But um, regardless, this was just so much fucking fun. I just I, – I don't even know. This movie is just fucking – the pacing is great. The action is fantastic. Most of the stunts, a lot of the stunts and, like, shots in the sky are practical. Yep. Tom Cruise is a fucking madman. Yeah. And everyone had to train and, like, actually be in the planes for shooting some of this shit. And it's just, it's just a fantastically fun watch. Yeah, to go back, it, it was definitely, yeah, because they, they first briefed him on the mission, and they were like, he was like, oh, let's use this. And they were like, oh, well, we have to go through the canyon so the, the sat things, you know, don't pick us up. And it was like, oh, let's do this. And then it was like, oh, but we can't use this because the radar jammers, so we have to use an older model or whatever it was like that. They they crossed those dots and or dotted those I's and crossed those T's earlier mm. in the movie. Um, I had one other point. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad the story – I mean, I'll just – I'll say this, and then we'll trans- transition into the plot slash story grade. I thought in the start of this movie that the story was going to be Tom Cruise versus, like, drones. Like, you know what I mean? Like, can Tom Cruise prove that, Ameri- like, human pilots are better than drones? Because that's kind of like how it, you know, started with him getting, you know, kicked out of wherever he was at. And uh, I'm so glad it was just like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to do, like – a relatively small mission. Keep that part of it grounded. It the world doesn't have to be on the line. You know, it's not a, a a war winning mission. Like, it's a small. I mean, big, but like smaller operation. It helped it because I think you could get a little ridiculous if you're doing man versus drone, or you're doing Tom Cruise has to save the world. You know what I mean? So, um, like his Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen them. <laughs> Before I jump into my plot slash story sco- uh, score. You saw the Mission Impossible trailer, right? Because I think it played before these movies because it's Tom Cruise. I did. Yeah, I did watch it. Am I alone in thinking that's the worst trailer I've ever seen? I saw people on Twitter saying, this is the most effective trailer ever. It gives you what you want and you get out. I thought it was the worst trailer I've ever seen. I think you are alone. I, I, everyone seems to be enjoying it. I had no problem with it. It seems fun. The other mission, like the newer Mission Impossible movies, I've got great scores. Oh, absolutely. Um, but like, it felt yeah, like, I had no problem with this trailer. Because the movie doesn't come out for a year and a few months, so it felt like, to me, they were like, oh, we got to get a trailer out to put in front of Top Gun. But, like, I don't know. It was just like there was a little bit of narration, and then, like, the audio balance, I feel like, wasn't great. And then it was just, like, a bunch of action scenes with, like, no sound. Like, it was very just, like, vanilla, I guess. And I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Tom Cruise and his production company know what they're doing. But I was just like, this is the weirdest, like, homemade movie trailer I've ever seen. But people love it, so I don't know. I feel like it was just like a here's a little taste here's a little taste of what we're gonna be doing <laughs> and they showed the action scenes because they're like you know tom cruise did this shit himself <laughs> um jumped in the scale tie <laughs> plot slash story like i said i like that the plot was relatively grounded obviously it's still a fighter jet mission at the end of the day um i love that it was relatively grounded in that regard 
Um, like you said, the pacing and stuff was good. I'll be honest. There was a, there was like a, a 20, 15, 20 minute. Maybe it was like the beach football scene. Um, got a little bored, was getting a little impatient, but the, the climax of this film, I think is so worth it. Um, that being said, like our scale is a scale and there's obviously upper echelon, echelon scores for like these, you know, deep stories and themes and all this stuff. Um, at the end of the day, it's biggest strength is also the thing I think that holds it back from getting a top tier score here. Um, but still a good score. I gave it a 15 out of 20 tie. What did you give it? Yeah, I'm right there with you on the on the story part of it. I'm a 15. Um, I do like the obviously there's some history between him and Rooster and the shit that boils up because of that. And um, you know, there's a love interest, but they don't focus on it too much to where that like distracts from the movie. Like she's there at very certain moments to drive the plot forward. Um, you know, obviously it's her bar where everyone else comes in. And he gets to see Rooster and you get to see the flashback and, you know, it reminds him of his dad and everything. And um, I, I just think that the pacing and what they needed to do for this movie worked really, really well. There's there's some emotion to it. It's a lot of groundwork for action. There's a lot of, you know, getting the team together and training everyone and building up. And um, it just again, like you said, there's there's levels to this and it's not the incredible story that you're looking for for this you know, crazy script, but it does exactly what it needs to do for this kind of movie. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was a little upset at first, but I, I kind of quickly got over it and I don't, it didn't really hold back the score, but when Tom Cruise, you know, takes the, the missile or whatever for rooster and, you know, his jet gets shot down and everything and it kind of like fades to black and blah, 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 all that stuff. Like obviously they tease that he died and then he didn't die. And then rooster comes back and saves him, And then, you know, they end up, escaping on an even older fighter jet and then the other guy uh hangman saves him you know you have his character coming full circle all that i feel like was fine because they handled it the right way and each character kind of got their redemptive moments and like you got the the complete arc but part of me was kind of like damn i kind of feel like it would have been cool if they killed tom cruise i don't know what it is ty i love movies where it's like breaks conventional wisdom and it's like oh the good guy doesn't win in the end like he wins but he doesn't fully win like you know, Infinity War. I mean, they don't kind of win. They definitely lose. Um, Endgame, all the problems with that movie. Like, there were sacrifices to be made, and like movies can feel a lot more heavy when they do that, and feel a lot more impactful. I, I yeah. part of me wonders what it would have, what it could have been like if they killed Tom Cruise in this. Um, and obviously, like the general population wouldn't have liked it because they do these testings, and you know, you have the Anchorman. You know, when they kick Baxter off, and then they had to bring him back later to help the audience score or dodgeball. <laughs> where um, Ben Stiller was originally supposed to win. I don't know if you know about that one. Um, and they all score bad. But, like, part of me wonders what it would have been like. Yeah. And I, I feel like it could have been cool. I don't know. I'm just nitpicking that. No, yeah. I I thought it was like, oh, shit, they shot him down. And then when you see he's still alive, but the helicopter's right there, I was like, did they just did they just allow him to live so he could get 50 caliber fucking bullet rounds to just ground beef his body? I was like, there's no fucking chance right now. Like, he's surviving this, too. And then you just see Rooster come in and save the fucking day. Yeah, for sure. Well, when I first saw the helicopter, that's when I was in, at my angriest. I thought that was going to be a rescue helicopter. Like, I, I was like, oh, my God. They had Tom Cruise get shut down, like, shot down. You think he's dead. It goes to black. They come back. Oh, they rescued him on a rescue helicopter. And everything's okay. Like, that would have pissed me off. So, I guess yeah. I came back. I, I became happier because they at least gave, you know, both – Rooster, Tom Cruise, and Hangman, you know, some redemptive stuff. Um, 
And one more thing I want to touch on in the plot slash story before we move on is American movies are very formulaic, even MCU movies. You have your origin. You have your buildup. You have the moment where you think the bad guy or like the the good guys have adversity or if it's a rom-com, there's big adversity in the relationship, whatever it is. And then nine times out of ten, they bounce back. You know, it's just that's how it works. This kind of had that because you have Tom Cruise getting shut shot down. And then bouncing back and you have Tom Cruise kind of getting fired and then proving himself like, but it wasn't as conventional, I think, and as like formulaic as most American cinema. So I appreciated that. Although in that ramble, I just remembered there's absolutely no chance he steals a military fighter jet to prove that he can do this mission. That was the biggest stretch of this entire film. (laughs) Yeah, I again, there's you got to You just kind of got to accept some of it. Him just running onto an Air Force base. And stealing a plane out of a hangar while they're being attacked. Super unbelievable also. Like, there's just no chance that fucking happens. So, I actually thought that one was more believable because there was so much chaos going on and they were wearing all black. Like, it was just so chaotic and everyone was running. So, but the the fact that they pull it out of the hangar and take it off and no one raises an eye. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. (laughs) It's fine. It is what it is. Um, Again, the story, it's, this is a fucking blockbuster action movie. And it's just going to do what it needs to do. And I think I think they did do a good job in certain spots and doing more than the bare minimum for this. Like, there's there's stuff I like about it. But it just fucking works, man. It works so well for the rest of the movie. Visuals, cinematography, Ty. You mentioned the practical shots of them in the fighter jet. We have a lot of the fighter jet shots both inside the cabin and outside the cabin. I noticed they reused some shots. I don't know if you noticed this. Like, there'd be a scene where Tom Cruise was, like, explaining the mission and, like, he'd be like, oh, you're going to start getting blackout. And then it would show, like, uh, an example of someone getting blackout. But that would just be the exact same shot from one of them getting blackout, whether it be training or in the mission itself. I noticed that. I didn't deduct it any points, and you'll see why. Because, Ty, I gave this a full 20. I don't know if it's deserved, but I gave it a full 20. What did you give it? It's. Let me tell you, Jay. It's deserved. I gave it a 20. Okay. I, I'm fucking – I maxed out. The action in this is so much fun. And the planes flying around and how they shot everything. And I just think of that scene where he takes the fucking missile for Rooster, where his plane goes above him and then like fucking, you know, slows down, tilts back and gets blown up. That's so fucking cool. It's not even funny. <laughs> and like I, I like the beginning scene of him going like, what is it over Mach 10 or whatever? Yeah. And him just soaring in the atmosphere and everything. Um, looks so fucking cool. It looks so cool. And all the training and all of them going in and out with the planes and going over each other and them doing like a fucking spiral dive down to the floor. I, it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like an untapped market. I mean, you don't really have a lot of, um, Jesus Christ. You don't have a lot of like movies that are doing like dogfight scenes in this way. And it's like, yeah, they did it practical with, like, the people in the in the cabin. Like, even if they didn't do that, I feel like this still would have got a very high score because the shots of – I'm sure they did a lot of practical shots of, like, actual fighter jet pilots flying these fighter jets and everything as well. And, like, how they did that, I have no fucking idea. Um, how they did the whole final scene where they're in, like, the Arctic tundra. Like, obviously, they can film a bunch of stuff at Johnson Air Force Base or wherever they end up going. But, like, how the fuck did they film that with, like, the CGI and everything? And everything looked great. I mean – I think about the the scene where they're getting chased by the bad guys, the not Russians, um, and they get behind <laughs> him and then they shoot him with a missile and he does that thing where his fighter jet almost like stops and he does like a like he rotates like 360 but like on the y axis and he kind of like spins and they're like what the fuck like 
how yeah. they did that and made it look good. I don't know. Um, I think the score in this is really good. Just, you know, the, the top, classic Top Gun. It's a little overzealous, I guess is the right word. I don't know what the right word is here, but I'll get – there's a reason for that, which I'll get into in key, key elements. Um, but it all worked well. Like, I mean, the shots, the action shots were great. The score was good. The music selection was good. Um, it The camera, like the camera work, you know, like it was very expensive cameras. You know, it's it just – it was shot like a blockbuster, you know, and it deserves – the scores for that yeah a million percent everything looked really good with it i couldn't tell when it was cgi not practical i i did lose you there for a second so i don't know if i'm touching on the same points um i did hear you talk about the music let me tell you when this movie just starts off with highway to the danger zone i'm all in <laughs> that's the second it got a great score for me right then and there i was like oh they're playing the hits and i can't fucking wait <laughs> so i had a yeah i had a question like in the first scene where he's reaching mach 10 like they showed a map, and, like, after five minutes, he was, like, halfway across the country. And I'm like, I thought there was no way. But I looked it up, and modern supersonic jet fighters can fly at more than 1,000 miles per hour. Um, and the fastest right now is the X-15. Oh, no, the the fastest ever was 4,500 miles per hour. But the fastest fighter jet right now is the MIG-25 with a top speed of 2,190 miles per hour. So in 30 minutes, he could have gotten halfway across the country. That's insane. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this. Mach 10 is the equivalent of 7,672 miles. Oh, my God. And he was doing Mach. Let me just let me make sure we're accurate here. He got up to Mach 10.3. He almost cracked 8,000. <laughs> That's insane. Well, the record. How wide is our country? Uh, well, I know LAX to Orlando is about 2,500. So I think if you go. San Diego to the top of Maine, probably like what three thousand seven hundred. I don't know. That's just a guess. I can I can pull um, up the maps here. I don't know. This one says twenty eight hundred miles. So at Mach ten, he's probably just crossing the U.S. in about twenty minutes. That's crazy. I mean, like I said, the fastest ever is four thousand five hundred. So obviously that might be a little bit unrealistic. But I'm trying to see if we were to go from San Diego to caribou Maine, no fort kent fort kent is like the most the top of it you can go let's see san diego let's go fort kent um i guess it technically counts as canada whatever um to san diego if we're driving ty this is taking forever to load it is why is it in kilometers it's three thousand oh this is the wrong place abort abort mission abort never mind um <laughs> key elements this was this was embarrassing what did you give it key elements Oh, come on, Jay. It's it's a twenty. It's it's so easily a twenty for me. This is a this is what a blockbuster movie is supposed to be. This right here. Yeah, I gave it a twenty as well. Um you said we were gonna have very different scores. We've given it the exact same score thus far. Um, yeah. not yeah. only <laughs> does this movie hit on the patriotic elements it's trying to hit on, it hits on the fighter jet and the practical elements it's trying to hit on. It is an 80s movie done in a modern way. Like, yes. And like it, it, like the intro, Riley leaned over to me and said that intro felt so 80s. And like it did. And like I was thinking the same thing. Like it, I didn't, it didn't need her saying that for me to realize that. Like you have Highway to Hell playing. You have the shots with like the high contrast. And it's like them landing in the sunset. And like it's just kind of a bunch of B-roll. And you have the credits at the beginning with like the very simple text, very simple credits. Um some of the the dramatic score moments where they play the Top Gun, you know, like the one guy says, "You're going back to Top Gun," and it plays the music and everything, yeah. and like, yeah, 
it it's very <laughs> tropey 80s but is also modern at the same time i mean we have the beach football scene which that confused me because he said it's it's dogfight football it's offense and defense at the same time and i was like well doesn't technically offense and defense always happen at the same time but I guess it makes sense in theory because both sides are playing both offense and defense at the same time, which actually sounds like a great yeah. fucking idea. I don't know if that's something people already do, but like that could be a lot of fun. Granted, you know I'm not as athletic as I used to be, so that I could also probably break something. Um, but just very no, cheap. yeah. I, Go ahead. <laughs> I, no, no, I don't want to pass up dogfight football because I leaned over. I said I watched this with Sebastian. Um, I leaned over and I was like, they're playing football with two footballs right now. This makes no fucking sense. And we were laughing about it. And then he explained it. And I was like, oh, holy shit. That seems so hard. I don't understand how it would work. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I just – it's unapologetically 80s while also being a modern blockbuster at the same time. And they knocked that out of the park. And it deserves a full 20 out of 20. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because this does feel like the – what a – you know, 80s movie, if made with today's technology and today's standards, would be. And it's just so fucking good. It's it's cheesy, it's not the best dialogue, and that's fine. But like you said, the beach scene, the the score, the dialogue, like how it's shot, everything about this is 80s movie just fucking done so much better than they did it in the 80s. <laughs> um, characters, Ty, this is where we're going to start to differ a little bit. I think mm. because at the end of the day, I'm trying to look at my scores here. I think I'm going to bump my enjoyment category one talking about this film has made me realize I, I deserve to bump it one, especially based on other scores I've given out for enjoyment, but we'll talk about that when we get there characters. So Tom Cruise unapologetically plays Tom Cruise in every movie. Is that bad to say? Am I, I'm not wrong, right? Like he is a hundred percent playing the same Vanilla no. white guy hero in every film, right? At this point in his career, I'm not as familiar. I'm not as familiar with some of his other movies. Um, Tropic Thunder stands out as a great character-driven role for him. <laughs> okay, um, but like back in the day when he had Jerry Maguire and all that <laughs> stuff, yes. But I'm saying like 2010s on, Tom Cruise has played the same role in every movie. Jack Reacher, uh, this uh, Mission Impossible, The Edge of Tomorrow. Like it's all just white guy action hero and that's fine the rock does it tom cruise can do it as well we need a rock tom mm, cruise movie yeah. speaking of that um fuck yeah that being said it's limited miles teller i thought was fine i thought everyone was fine in this i didn't think anyone had a great performance there was redeeming character stories at the end or character arcs at the end which i appreciated I didn't appreciate how rooster and hangman had like this beef and were like fighting and everything and then they play one game of dogfight football and it's like they just never readdressed this like internal conflict between the two like it kind of just became like oh maverick pip picked hangman and or it picked a uh, rooster and now hangman's just gonna go do the right thing like it was weird how they set that up and didn't really deliver on it i, I the characters were just fine for me and like again this is an 80s movie in 2022 the characters aren't gonna it's not gonna be a character driven movie i gave it a 13 out of 20 ty it seemed like a whole lot of like i don't know like you were saying this and like thinking we're gonna differ I, just, I gave it a 14 i'm only one point higher than you. <laughs> um i like miles teller in this i like miles teller in, in most things but i think he does a good job of playing his role i go back to they're trying to make a modernized 80s movie and i think that hangman playing just the unapologetic asshole is a very 80s thing to do and he fucking nails that role yeah he but they never like most of the movie 
they never like readdressed it. It was like he was kind of a dick. There was conflict, and then next thing we know, he's helping. Like you know what I mean? Like I guess yeah, he comes full circle. But like I don't know, it was never like addressed in any way. I guess. Yeah, but I feel like part of it too is like he's accepting like okay, my fucking asshole attitude is what left me off of this team. And then there's one moment for him to be selfless and go put himself on the line to help someone else out. And he goes and does it and saves both their asses at the end. Like, I feel like that's what his, his, you know, the redemption arc is, is based on is him realizing that his attitude is what left him out of the mission in the first place. Okay. Um, Also uh, Val Kilmer being in this as, as Iceman. Now, did they do facial re- de-aging, or has he just had the most plastic surgery of any person in mankind? <laughs> so Val Kilmer, I I think, had a lot of plastic surgery done, but... No, they he did. I'm looking at pictures. He definitely did. It wasn't just the movie. He definitely did. Yeah, you know, he definitely did. But I thought it was pretty cool how they put him in here, because he had, like, aggressive throat cancer, I think. Like, there's very much a reason for his character being the way he is in this movie, yeah. and, like, starting off with just texting and then he like sees them for one scene yeah. kind of emotional i, I want to say i got emotional does he have throat cancer in real life or yeah no like they put a scarf scarf on him because i think he has like a like a tracheotomy thing in his neck or something oh yeah I'm like seriously can't talk so that's why they made that plot point for this character is so that he could be back in this movie despite the fact of you know his real life health issues going on yeah he uh it looks like he's cancer free now, but yeah, in twenty in twenty twenty he reported he had been cancer free for four years, but like his throat got so fucked up he uses a feeding tube to feed himself because he can no longer eat. Um in twenty twenty one after complex work, Kilmer's voice was able to be recreated through AI technology using archival archival audio of his voice. That's crazy. I wonder if he can't talk at all or if he just has like one of those super raspy voices where he has to like touch his throat. I, I'm not sure. I still don't understand how that shit like, yeah, works. I, I don't know. I, I, there's a guy at the Sperry Golf Course. He used to always be there when I played in high school, and he, he had, like, a hole in his throat, and he had to, like, touch it to talk. And But that's crazy. I didn't realize it was, like, an actual thing with Val Kilmer. I thought it was just, like, they did that in the movie for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, no, like, he is – he's basically hangman of the original movie where he's the cocky asshole. Uh, I, there's a line in here where Maverick says I actually finished second in my class. Because Iceman finished first, Jay. That's what I figured, yeah, when he said that. Yeah, was, this guy finished first. And then obviously all this happens. You want to bring him back for this movie. And the way that they found a way to tie it in and work so seamlessly with everything else, I appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I can't disagree, Ty. wouldn't say I was very emotional during the death, but um, can't say I disagree. Oh, not the I, – I wouldn't say the death, but just like – because I, I was aware of this going into it. So like seeing him in the movie – and, like, them putting him there, and obviously, like, uh, there's a lot of stuff. I wouldn't say, like, super emotional, but it was like, a, that's a that's a nice moment. I appreciate that. That's fair. I also, um, who's, who's the love interest in this movie? I can't think of her fucking name. Christina. I don't know her name. Uh, Penny. Jennifer Connelly. Mm-hmm. Not in the original. I couldn't remember. She's not? Are you guessing that, or is that a fact? Uh, fact. Oh okay. no! This is a this is an off screen unspoken. This is just kind of like a this was a fling that through the movie. Oh okay. See, I, I thought she just was in the original. Um, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Also, I just want to give some love to John Hamm. I feel like I just like everything Fantastic. he's in. Yeah, like he for a long time he was one of those actors where I didn't know his name. I just knew what he looked like. 
And like he did, he did good in this. And I feel like he's just good in everything he's in. He's kind of like Colin Farrell territory almost for me. Yeah, I'm, I just I want to take a look at John Hamm's thing, uh, what he's done. Just going through it, I I'm with you. Every time I see him, I enjoy him. Uh, that being oh, said, he's in the Invincible series. Fuck yeah. That being said, like I'm looking Ooh. at his uh, filmography and I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm still scrolling. I don't know. Maybe he's in like I, TV. Maybe I just like John Hamm. I don't know. I need to watch more stuff that he's in because I don't. I I'm with you. I know. I remember him from Baby Driver. He's fantastic in Baby Driver. Never seen that film. But that movie came out in seventeen. Never seen Baby Driver. I have Driver. not. It's great, great fucking film, Jay. Uh, well, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is just my this is my John Hamm introduction. Um, enjoyment tie. <laughs> We're only one point off thus far. You said you fucking loved this movie. This is where the most difference is going to be. I think we're going to be differed by more than one point here. I had fun with this movie. It was it was very blockbustery. It was very, you know, it hit all the notes it wanted to hit. The visuals were great. Obviously, the character work was limited, but that was just by the design of the movie. The story, you know, was was good for what, you know, they needed it to be. At the end of the day, like I enjoyed the movie, don't get me wrong, but I just I can't put it up in that higher score, higher set of scores when comparing it. I did bump it up one though because it definitely deserves to be bumped up one. I gave it a 15 out of 20. 19. Wow. Wow. It's a 19. Jay, I talked about this movie all weekend long to everybody. I fucking loved every second of this movie. This has a potential for me if I like if this is something that goes on streaming. This has the potential for me to have aggressive amounts of rewatch and go back and put it at a 20. I'm leaving it at a 19 right now. That was the the quickest, like the first thing when I was filling out my score, I threw a 19 in enjoyment and went from there. Wow. See, I, I consider 19 slash 20 to be like, you know, some of my favorite movies ever. And like, you know, I'm not saying your 19 is wrong. I just, I'm blown away. You liked this this much, Ty. I'm happy you did, but like, I thought you would kind of shit I, on it. I don't know why. I was like, Tyler's not going to like this movie. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I didn't think I was going to love it either going into it. I, we talked about how we've seen this trailer for so fucking long. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. And um, that just like kind of killed the vibe going into it. Again, the second Highway to the Danger Zone hits, I'm locked in. And I just stay locked in through this whole movie. And it's so much fun. And I had an absolute blast. And it was just such an enjoyable blockbuster. And I just, I, I 100% know I'm going to watch the shit out of this movie in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know. Is it your movie of the year thus far? Because I still have my movie of the year. What do you like? Enjoyment movie of the year or just total your, score? Your best movie of the year. If you just had to, off top of the head, pick your best movie of the year, are you picking Top Gun Maverick? I'm trying to remember what all we've done. Like, what was this year and what hasn't been this year? Um, just based on what I'm looking at, yes, but I can very much be swayed because I don't remember what else was this year. My top movie. I think I'm assuming these are all the other years. Continue. My top movie of the year is still Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, but I mean, this was an enjoyable oh. watch, and it was definitely the biggest blockbuster of the year thus far. Better than Doctor Strange. I actually don't know what I gave Doctor Strange, but it probably was better. Yeah, everything, think. Everything Everywhere All at Once still has a better score. Not as much enjoyment, but I, I respect everything that that movie did. That's still, in my opinion, the best movie. I agree with you there. Now I'm interested because like Top Gun Maverick has still made a shit ton of money, but it has slowed down a little bit. Um, it's at 600 million worldwide, and I think it's just the international stuff. I think you see movies like Fast and the Furious where they make a billion dollars internationally, pretty much. Like, 
this is made less internationally than it has domestically, and I just think it's, you know, the American pride thing probably. Um, and probably still some more, um, you know, caution with COVID and everything internationally, whereas in the States it's kind of like it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I am surprised, you know, like it's at 600 million right now through like two weeks almost tomorrow or to, yeah, tomorrow will be two weeks. Like it's not a lock to hit a billion, which is crazy considering how big of an opening weekend it had domestically. So international man got to tap into those markets. Now that being said, it still made a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah. I mean this, this doing these kind of numbers, it's Tom Cruise's biggest movie ever, which is wild for that to be like a, you know, Tom Cruise to be Tom Cruise, a superstar household name and this be his biggest movie ever domestically i think um i don't know about like total at this point in time that's a lot of fucking movie for a reboot of something like 40 years old yeah yeah it's a uh, budget was 170 million throw in marketing i don't know let's say they spent a quarter of a billion they've definitely made their money back it'll probably hit 750 i would guess at the end of the day um don't think it'll get to a billion unless there's just like an international surge for whatever reason Ty, my final score out of 100, you said we were going to differ a lot, and I think we only differed by five points, and they were all in the last two categories. I gave this an 83 out of 100. Yeah, yeah, it was five points. It's at an 88 for me, which that's a fucking score. Let me tell you. Yeah, that is in the upper tier scores for sure, my friend. I mean, that's the same as Coda and Talladega Knights for you personally. Um, that consensus score is what, an 85 and a half, if I'm not mistaken? 85 and a half. Putting it up with the likes of, we have four 85s and a halfs. Um, I'll go through them. Encanto, yep. Soul, mm-hmm. Argo, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick. Right above uh, King Richard, The Hunger Games, Palm Springs. That was a good movie. I need uh, to rewatch that. Palm Springs was a very good movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This feels like a good spot for it. It's in the upper tier. Um, obviously, like, look, we have a lot of movies up here because we choose to watch the good movies and not the bad movies. But it's deserving. It's deserving to be up here. It's a fun watch. I feel like everyone has can get something to enjoy out of this. And uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend it, despite the fact that we're the ones who took too long to watch it. Yeah. We were giving our audience, because they were sold so many tickets, it was sold out. We are giving them time to watch the movie um, so they could follow along at home. Ty, we might, probably don't have a, as good of a movie next week. What are we reviewing next week? Oh, next week is a movie that, let me let me tell you, Top Gun Maverick, Sitting at 97% uh, tomato meter. The movie we're doing next week is sitting at a 36% <laughs> tomato meter. Um, we are reviewing Jurassic World Dominion. We also are reviewing Hustle. I don't know. Did you forget about Hustle? Because uh, I did. No, I didn't forget about Hustle. That's going to be a double upload. I don't know. Sometime over the weekend or Monday or something. We'll figure it out. We got to watch that. Adam Sandler. I've heard nothing about that. Is that movie out yet? Yeah, it came out uh, yesterday, actually. That's why we pushed that one back. Um, because we wouldn't have been able, I mean, we recorded a day late anyways, because I was tired as fuck, but, um, we wouldn't have been able to record it yesterday. Hustle 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, 91 audience. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't believe I haven't heard about this. It's getting great scores in Adam Sandler. I'm all in. Yeah. So we'll, we'll bring that to you sometime over the weekend or something. We'll figure out when to record. Might be a little bit shorter. We're just going to talk about hustle. So it might be like a 30 to 45 minute or, but who knows? Every time we say that we end up still going like our usual hour 10 ish. Um, we're approaching an hour yep. right now. So we got Jurassic world next week. And I believe it's minions the week after that. I know we have a, a good stretch of like no. four to five movies, right? Jurassic world, Lightyear, Elvis minions, Thor, love and thunder. Okay. So we, we it's the summer blockbusters are coming out. I mean, yeah. D- minions is a dumb kids movie, but I still love minions. And I mean, it 
they, it's going to make a billion dollars um, or close to yeah. it. So we got a run of big movies coming up. So, you know, make sure you stay tuned listening to all those reviews, Ty, to cap up the podcast, random Rotten Tomatoes movie score, as we always do. It's not usually totally random. We know this. I went with another war-related movie, another aircraft-related movie. At least I think it's aircraft-related. I could be wrong about this. It is a movie my parents rave about all the time. It is the 2001 drama-slash-war film with 193 critic reviews, Pearl Harbor. Ty, you ever seen Pearl Harbor? I haven't, but you said air-related in 2001. I was thinking of another national tragedy. Um, I, I can't forget that one. Um, Pearl Harbor, though. Wow. Pearl, who's in that? There's someone in that that I know. Ben Affleck. Yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in there. Alec Baldwin's yeah. in there. Maybe I have seen this movie. Jennifer Gardner's in there. Michael that's Bay pretty, directs that's pretty, it. That's a fucking loaded cast for 2001. Jerry Bruckheimer produces. Same guy. He also produced uh, Top Gun Maverick. Hans Zimmer did the music. Fuck yeah. Hans Zimmer. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like uh, this was this is uh, this is like one of the ones that's good, but it's not like great. Like there was potential, but it could have been better. 83%. This might be your biggest miss ever. When I yeah. saw this score, I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. My parents talked about this like it won an Oscar. Like the Oscar, like the Academy Award had an event where they named the best movie of all time and Pearl Harbor came number one. They rave about this film. First of all, it's three hours and three minutes long. That's instantly a no for me, dog. Like I can't, I don't really love war movies as is, which is why like liking Top Gun Maverick was a, a great thing because I usually don't like this kind of genre of film. Three hours of that? No way, Jose. Second of all, 24% on Rotten Tomatoes, Ty. It is not just rotten. It is very rotten. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, did you hear anything I just Can you said? hear me? Yeah. I, I, you started on that rant, and I, I missed all of it. I'm going to leave this in the pod because that was a funny moment. Um, I'm not going to repeat myself for the listeners. I'm just going to tell you it has a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Oh my god <laughs> if you want to listen to my rant you could go and listen to the podcast <laughs> yeah i heard this might be your biggest miss ever and then just nothing else after that i was like what what the fuck happened oh yeah i went on a little bit of a monologue there uh 24 only a 66 awesome. audience as well like i expected it to be much higher that's like i don't know if you heard me before we started recording like i was like oh shit like i said that it was because i saw the score of this blew me blew me away that's fantastic i um yeah, I knew it wasn't like an Oscar-worthy movie. I knew it like wasn't as good as it could have been. I didn't think it was that bad, though. I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why the people didn't like it, but Pearl Harbor only twenty-four percent. Top Gun Maverick undoubtedly a better movie. Ty, that is all I got for you, my friend. Yeah, um, look, man, double episode next week. I'm excited for that. We we stopped doing our sports podcast so we could do double episodes. And we haven't done one yet, and I'm excited for the first double episode week. No, we did some March Madness doubles, and we did some another double sometime. We have we've never done an organic double. Double. We we've done one. Excuse me for my computer noises. We have definitely done one. I remember it. We did it with. Well, what, what were the two movies? I'm gonna look at our episodes right now because I remember distinctly doing it. I think you're thinking of March Movie Madness, which we we always put in the extra work there. Um, let me see. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, no, that's that's it. It's the only one. This is the first organic two movies we wanted to talk about, so we're doing two episodes. All right, fair. That's fair. So don't fucking shit on my excitement for it, Jay, because I like podcasting. I'll say it. Ty, I just want to let you know the Angels are up five one before we sign up sign off of this podcast. Oh, this this definitely won't age poorly. Um, 
when we still haven't won when we record our next episode. <laughs> I thought you had an elite bullpen, Ty. You shouldn't be worried about them blowing it. Nothing matters right now. Nothing, no, none of the talent, none of it matters right now. We are cursed. If they lose this game, that'd be hilarious. Shohei's only at 85 pitches, and he's still pitching in the seventh. So, you know, hopefully you guys can get a win. He, he also hit a two-run home run earlier. This might just be the Shohei says, I'm tired of losing game, and just pitches a shutout, and now it scores the other team. Not uh, a shutout, yeah. but a complete game. And hurts his arm in the process. I don't know why I said that. That was rude. I'm sorry, Ty. That's all I got for you. Everyone, everyone be better than Jason. Be a good friend. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.